I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and the, your staff comfort me. Now listen to this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome today. Maybe you're here for the first time. We want to thank you for coming. Maybe you're watching via live stream today. Thank you so much for being with us today. We've been going through an incredible series in the book of Psalms, Psalms 23, and we've been breaking it down each and every week. And we have learned that David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. As long as Jesus is my shepherd, I have no want. That he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The Lord is my peace. Then David goes on to say, the Lord restores. He knows how to restore my soul. He knows how to restore the inner me. And then David said, you lead me in the path of right. You put me back on the right path, a good path where I need to walk. And yea, though I walk through the valley, sometimes the Lord will actually lead us through the valley because he wants to bring us to a new place in our life. Get ready because God wants to bring you to a new place in your life. The Bible says that he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't fear no evil because God is always with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. And then the Bible tells us that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And that's where we left off last week, that God actually doesn't get rid of our enemies, but he actually prepares a table in the presence of our enemies so that he gets the glory when we go through a difficult situation, when we face an enemy and God defeats it, he gets the glory. Somebody say amen. But now David says, and Lord, you anoint my head with oil. The Lord is my shepherd and he anoints my head with oil and to a shepherd, that's a very important thing to do. Why? Because it's really important to understand that a shepherd would actually take his sheep from the home ranch where there was everything to a new place and he would have to walk them through the valley, uh, whatever the valley might be in our life, but he'd have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death to get to the tableland. We call it the Absalom or the tableland where there was a good place. It was a, a great place on a mountaintop where, where the sheep would go and they would feel that they could now eat in, in peace and relax. 
When the sheep got to that point, they thought to themselves, now we can roam without fear and without danger. But suddenly, almost without warning, there comes a fly in the ointment, and that's where the oil comes in. You see, I love summer. I love everything about summer. I love the fact that, man, I can get on my bicycle and I can ride on the boardwalk and it's nice and sunny. I do some planting in the summer. I like planting. I like kind of doing all these summer activities. I like having a barbecue out in the summertime. But there is one thing that I do not like about the summer, and that is summer brings bugs. And they just bug me. I mean, I can't stand bugs. All kinds of bugs. You know, growing up, you know, I just always hated spiders. You know, when I was a little kid, I watched this movie about a guy who was fighting a big spider with a little sword. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, I, ha I hate spiders, man. It was kind of one of those things. Now, I don't have this ar ar arachophobia kind of thing going on. I mean, like, I don't go really crazy. But I just don't like when I'm actually walking on the side of my house in the evening. You know, spiders don't really come out in the daytime much. But in the evening, they create this big web, and I walk right into the web. I don't know about you, but things start to play in my mind, like, where is that spider right now? It's going and even if I kind of just touch a spider web, I get itchy all over. Do you ever notice that? I mean, I have to jump in the shower right away. Yeah, I'm crazy with this thing. But I'm not going to bed until I kind of wash off whatever spider web's on me. I hate it. And then there are those green flies. You know those green flies? They've got a green head. Those things are an aberration of creation. I'm telling you something. They came from the pit of hell, those things. They are demon-possessed, those things. I mean, if they bite you, one time I got bit by one of those things, I had a second head. I mean, it was, man, it was like, dude, man, my whole body's just kind of blowing up from these things. I don't know. And then there's those horse flies, the big black flies. You know, one day I was actually upstate, and I actually took a shower. I put some gel in my hair, you know. I kind of put some cologne on. You don't put gel in your hair, and you don't put cologne on when you're walking through the forest or, or you know, upstate. Because when you do that, the bugs, they can smell it. And there was this horse fly, and it was literally attacking my head. It was like doing kamikaze attacks. And I was actually praying, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, there's another demon-possessed fly, and I'm casting the devil out of this thing. It's like, get him. Then there are those little gnats. You could hardly see them, but, man, you could feel them, right? Those gnats get a hold of you and they bite you, man. And, and, and here's the truth. The truth is they're so small, but they're so irritating. You know, have you ever been chilling out on the beach? You're sitting on the beach. You, you got everything. You know, you're really tired. And you're just chilling out. You kind of have a little coffee or whatever. You have soda there. You're sitting on your beach chair. And there's a fly that just keeps on coming around. And you just don't know what to do with yourself, you know. Well, the truth is, to a shepherd... He really understands this whole thing about anointing my head with oil. Remember, David is a shepherd. So when he says, the Lord anoints my head with oil, he's, he's talking like a shepherd. He's thinking like a shepherd. And to the shepherd, summertime actually poses another real danger for the sheep. For in the terminology of sheepmen, summer is fly time. Summer is fly time. By this, he's referring to the fact that the warm weather brings all kinds of different insects that can actually really harm the sheep. 
You see, there's actually a small fly. It's called the nasal or nose fly. Now, I'm going to get a little graphic. Don't get too grossed out on this thing. But, but the nose fly actually flies around the head of the sheep. And it tries to actually land on the nasal passage or in the nasal passage of the sheep. And it tries to actually lay a lava egg on or in the nasal passage. And if that, that lava actually is hatched there, it actually creates a, a microscopic little worm that works its way through the nasal ca cavities of the animal. And when it gets up to the, to the brain or in the nasal cavities, wherever it goes, it actually creates such irritation and inflammation that it actually drives the sheep crazy. Actually, when the sheep sees these flies starting to fly around, they go nuts. They go crazy. And they can actually start a stampede because of these little nasal nose flies. Actually, they get so irritated by it that they start running, running all over the place. And they actually start hitting their head against the tree. Or they start hitting their head against the rock. They do everything they can to try to get this irritation gone. And sometimes... A sheep will actually jump off the cliff because it's driving it absolutely crazy. And as a result of that, the shepherd knows that this is very dangerous for the sheep. It can cause irritation. It can cause infection, inflammation, even death. So the shepherd, what he does is he takes a flask of oil and he pours the oil over the sheep's head. And he begins to rub the oil into the sheep's scalp, into the sheep's head, and over its nose. And instantaneously, the behavior of the sheep turns from fearful to peaceful. Instantaneously, there's a transformation that occurs where the sheep is actually changed because of what the shepherd does by anointing its head with oil. There's another problem in summertime. It's not just the nasal fly that the oil actually keeps away from the sheep. But there's also another problem. Summertime for the sheep is not only fly time, but it's also scab time. Now, scab is an irritating and highly contagious disease common among sheep in the world over. And it's really caused by a minute microscopic parasite. And it actually gets into the skin and it creates a disease. Now, here's the problem. The problem is is sheep are very affectionate with one another. And so when a sheep wants to be affectionate with another sheep and tell them that, that he or she loves the other sheep, here's what they do. Now, here's a married couple. And I want you to come up here, right? All right? How, how long have you guys been married? Seven months. Seven months. And you, st All right. and you still love her? Yeah. You're still in love with her? Yeah. Seven months later? Yeah? And you, you, do you often tell your wife that you love her? Yeah. All right. So if you were a sheep, this is the way you would tell your wife that you love her. I, I, I love you. And they would thank you very much. Give this great couple a big hand. And they would actually rub their heads against one another as a sign of affection. The problem was is so often the disease was transferred from one sheep to the next sheep by doing that. 
And so again, the shepherd would take the oil and he would pour the oil over the sheep's head to keep them from passing the disease on from one another. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. We are God's sheep in this sheepfold. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And the truth of the matter is, is we can pass good things or bad things off on people. So if you've got a bad habit, you've got a bad attitude, guess what? You can rub off on somebody. If you've got a good habit, you know, you're a person of love, you're a person that's a peacemaker, you love God, you know what? That can rub off on people. Come on, somebody, say amen. That's why the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals, right? That's why the Bible says that we're interdependent on one another and we need to recognize that we can either pass good things or bad things off on people. And so David is looking at this all and he's kind of remembering a time in his life when he was anointed by God. You see, it's in this context that David, who is a shepherd, declares, the Lord is my shepherd and I won't have any wants for anything as long as he's my shepherd. And he, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I should walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your step, they comfort me. And you, are, you will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head. You anoint my head with oil. In other words, all the good that has been prepared for me at your table can be compromised if I allow these little nasty little gnats or these nasty little flies to get into my head and take away my peace and, and put in me an irritated spirit so that I won't be doing the things that God has called me to do. So I've got to have the anointing of God in my life to keep those things out of my brain, out of my head, so that I can have my head anointed by the Holy Spirit so I can be the person and do the things that God wants me to do in my life. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. Listen to me. We're all God's sheep. And the truth is the enemy and the world and even difficulties in life are always trying to get into our head. And they're trying to make us react the wrong way. See, if the enemy can get into your head, and the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against little gnats, they're called demons. They're little gnats. And if they can get into our head, and if fear can get into your head, and unforgiveness and bitterness can get into your head, and anxiety can get into you and grip your heart and grip your soul and grip your mind, man, you just keep on playing over, running from one place to another. I see a lot of Christians that are running here and there because there's no peace on the inside and because there's no peace within, there's no peace with him and because there's no peace with him, there's no peace within and as a result, man, they're irritated and what they really need is an anointing of God, an anointing that comes from the Holy Spirit. You see, if he can cause you to panic and fear, if he can cause you to live in turmoil, then you're going to miss out on the great things that God has. But God has given us a secret to protect us from the enemy. God has provided a remedy to bring us peace and stillness in our life, to bring us healing and restoration. It's called the anointing. Let me say that again. It's called the anointing. And when David said, you anoint my head with oil, he was really speaking about the precious, powerful presence and person of the Holy Spirit in our life. 
And prophetically, David said, the Lord is my shepherd and he sends me his spirit and he anoints my life with power. He anoints my life with peace. He anoints my life with provision. He anoints my life with potential. He anoints my life with prophetic living. He anoints my life with faith because it's impossible to please God without faith. He anoints my life with the fruit of the Spirit because it's impossible to love people and have joy deep in our hearts and have self-control and faithfulness and gentleness and goodness and all the good things without the Holy Spirit in our life. He anoints my life with everything that I need in such an abundance that my cup overflows. Somebody help me out and say amen. Everything I need, David was saying, is found in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And now he's thinking of a time when he's tending the sheep. And the prophet Samuel comes to Jesse's house, his father's house. You remember the story that, that Samuel actually anointed Saul to be king, the first king over Israel. And, and the truth is, in the beginning, Saul was, he wasn't a bad king. He was a pretty cool dude. But over time, because of jealousy, because of anger and bitterness, because of disobedience, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord, the anointing of the Holy Spirit departed from Saul. Because back in those days, the anointing would come, the Spirit would come. And at times, the Spirit would leave. And it would only come on certain individuals for certain reasons in the Old Testament. Because Jesus had not died yet and not sent the Spirit into the world to be in all believers. And so now the Spirit of the Lord has left Saul. And the Bible says that now God has rejected Saul as king. You remember when Samuel saw Saul, that he anointed, listen to what, he anointed Saul with oil. He broke open the flask and he poured the oil all over Saul. And the Bible says the moment that Samuel poured the oil over Saul, something happened spiritually. There was no power in the oil. It was in what God was doing. But at that very moment, God was setting apart Saul. At that very moment, God was anointing Saul to be king. And the Bible says at that very moment, Saul became a different man and he began to prophesy. It was a kingly, prophetic, priestly anointing that came upon Saul's life. But because of rebellion, because of disobedience, because of jealousy and anger and what Saul wanted to do to David, God rejected Saul. And now he's looking for another king and he sends Samuel to Jesse's house. And when Samuel comes into Jesse's house, he's looking and he sees this, the firstborn son. And he says, this surely has to be the king. He's handsome. He's tall. He's strong. And the Bible says that God spoke to Samuel and he said, Samuel, man looks at the outward, but God looks at the inward. Aren't you glad that God looks at your heart, that God sees you on the inside? When everybody else is judging you, God sees you. That can be a scary thing too. The Bible says that Samuel, he prayed and he asked the Lord, God, give me wisdom. And, and, and he went to each one of Jesse's sons in the house. And the Lord said, no, I have rejected him, 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 him. Until Samuel got to the last. And the Bible says that Samuel said, are there any other sons in the house? And Jesse said, no, there's nobody, there's nobody else in the house. I just, I got one more son. You know, he's a, he's a kid and he's out in the field tending the smelly sheep. And, and Samuel said, get the boy and bring him into the house. And young David comes into the house and when 
Samuel sees young David. David doesn't really understand. He's a kid. He doesn't understand it. He does understand. He's been around enough to see anointing oil. And he understood that that was a setting apart. He understood that there was a king that was anointed. Saul was anointed king. And, and, and the truth is David loved Saul. And David submitted to Saul. And David really cared about Saul. He prayed for Saul. And there were times when Saul tried to kill him, and David still loved Saul. But he can, he's looking back at that time when, when Sam, he's a young boy, man. He's just tending sheep, you know, but he's faithful, and he's a lover of God, as the Bible says. And David is a man after God's own heart. And Samuel looks at David, and he breaks a flask of oil, and he pours it all over David's head. And he anoints David as king. And at that very moment, again, the presence of the Holy Spirit comes upon David. And David becomes a mighty man of prayer. David becomes a mighty man of God. David becomes a mighty warrior. David becomes prophetic. David becomes priestly. David becomes kingly because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that came upon him. And David now is remembering. He's looking back at that time and he's remembering, oh God, you're my good shepherd and I lack no good thing. And Lord Jesus, you lead me beside quiet waters and you make me lie down in green pastures. And Lord, even when I face my enemies, even when I've got to go through the valley of the shadow, of that. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you have anointed my head with oil and my cup runneth over and as a result of that I've got the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's why David said take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Why? Because David understood the power and the potential and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in his life and he loved the anointing of the Spirit in his life. What is the anointing? What is, what is oil symbolic of? Well, in the Old Testament, oil is symbolic of a few things. It's, it's symbolic of healing. Healing. And, and you know, the truth of the matter is oils can heal. You know, there's certain oils that can heal our body. And that's why James has called for the elders of the church. And some people believe that when they prayed for people that were sick, they actually rubbed the oil into it because oil actually has medicinal uh, properties in it to make somebody well. In fact, my wife... You know, Araceli's here. She sells a little oil, and she gives it to my wife. And, and um, boy, oh, boy, my wife gets in bed, and she's putting oil on her feet. She's putting oil on her head. She's putting it on her back. If I tell her I have a pain, she pulls out the oil. Over here, over here. That stuff smells, man. She gets into bed. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, I think she's got another thing up her sleeve. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But the truth of the matter is, is that she gets up in the morning. She goes, I feel better because there's something about oil that actually has medicinal purposes in it and power in it, right? But oil is also a symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Oil is symbolic of the anointing. And what is the anointing? Well, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the anointing is a setting apart. It's an equipping for service. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit and it is when we recognize that God is on our side and God is calling us. He's setting us apart. He's sanctifying us for a specific purpose in our life. And David now is recalling the moment when the prophet Samuel pours the oil over his head and declares, David, God has set you apart. David, God has equipped you to be king. David, God, his holy presence is now upon you. And his healing anointing is a part of every area of your life. And so in the, in the Old Testament, the anointing 
really served three purposes. One, it was a kingly anointing. Secondly, it was a priestly anointing. And thirdly, it was a, an anointing for people to recognize that there was a welcoming anointing. The Holy Spirit was welcoming them into, into a, a, an absolute powerful uh, partnership with the Spirit. It was a welcoming anointing. You see, back in those days, when somebody came into somebody's house, and David is talking like a shepherd, but he's also talking like a host. Remember, thou preparest a table in the presence of my enemies. So David's also talking like a host, and somebody comes into the house, and what would they do? They do two things. In those days, they would take a, 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 a goblet or a a glass, and they would keep on pouring wine into it, overflowing all over the floor, symbolizing as long as you're in my house, you're welcome to stay in my house, and you can get whatever you need in my house. And that's still what God says to us. As long as you're in my house, you can get whatever you need because I'm here. I'm your good shepherd. Amen? But not only that, they would anoint the person with oil, symbolizing that they're welcome in their home. They're welcome in their home and that they, they see potential in their life. And so here we find that David is looking back at that. But prophetically, David is actually speaking to every believer in this room. Why do I know that? Because every believer, when we give our life to the Lord, what do we become? The Bible says we become a royal priesthood and a holy nation. You see, back in those days, in the Old Testament, a priest represented the people to God. The prophet represented God to the people. And the king, well, the king was the one who ruled in justice and righteousness. But here we find in the New Testament, Peter tells us that we are a royal, holy, kingly priesthood. That every one of us in this room, because the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us, and because we are born again and we are children of God and we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that we become kings unto God, we become priests unto God, we become prophetic in the way that we live our life. And that is powerful so that every one of us in this room should seek for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes in our life. We should seek for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We should seek the presence and person of the Holy Spirit in our life. Why? Because as a king we need to rule in righteousness and we can't rule in righteousness righteousness without the power of the Holy Spirit. As a priest, we need to go before God for the people. We need to intercede for our neighbors and those that love, that don't know God, don't love God, but we need to pray for them that they would come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a prophet, we need to prophetically speak the word of God so that we can go into all the world and be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so Jesus tells his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, dynamite power, power to do what I've called you to do. Why? Because I've called you to be a kingdom of kings and priests and prophets to go into the world and do my work in this world so that you can tear down strongholds and that you can go into all the world and preach the gospel to see the lost saved. You can live the life that I've called you to live. That's what he's saying. How do I know that's true? Because notice what it says in the Old Testament. In Zechariah chapter 4, it says, And then the angel who was speaking to me came back and awakened me, like a man who was awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? And I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand, all of gold, listen, with its bowl for oil. 
And on the top of it are seven lamps, and on it with seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on the left side, supplying, listen to me, continuous oil. So I asked the Lord who was speaking with me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who was speaking with me answered me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, Lord, I do not know. And then he said to me, this continuous supply of oil is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, prince of Judah, saying, it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. Let me break this down for you. So the prophet sees a golden lampstand. In the New Testament, the Bible says we are the light of the world. And the world should see our good works and glorify God. In the New Testament, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25 that all of us in this room, we should always keep our lampstand burning, meaning our witness for Christ, our life in the spirit should be on fire constantly, and we need to have oil constantly in our life. And the Bible says the five foolish virgins did what? They allowed their oil to run out. And as a result of that, the bridegroom came, but they were not able to go in. So what is it symbolic of? Listen to me, look at me. It's symbolic of the fact that all of us in this room, we are lights in this world, but the only way that we can keep the fire burning in our life, the only way we can keep the light burning in our life is when we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That is the oil. And so now the prophet declares, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. In other words, the prophet was saying, how do you keep your light burning constantly? How do you do the work of service? How do you love people? How can you love people unconditionally? How can you do what God called you to do? You've got to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now it comes the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says there were 120 people who went into the upper room. Why? Because they were obedient to Jesus. And Jesus said, I want you to stay in the upper room until you are what? Clothed with power from on high. I'm going to send you the promise of my Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power to do exactly what God wants you to do. And you're going to be a light to the nations. And you're going to witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. And so on the day of Pentecost, they're praying and they're waiting on the Lord. Let me tell you something. What we've lost in the church today is learning how to wait on the Lord. We want everything to happen immediately, automatically. But listen, there are times when we've got to get on our face before God. We've got to get on our knees before God and say, God, my cup is empty. I want you to fill it so that you can pour it out, so you can fill it again and pour it out and fill it again. I want my cup to overflow and it's empty. And we need to get on our face before God and say, fill me, Lord. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, God. Fill me with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And they waited on the Lord for 11 days. After 11 days, the Bible said the Holy Spirit came down. It was like God took the flask of oil. It was like the Father. It was like Jesus who sends the Holy Spirit in heaven. He got off his throne and he took his flask of oil and he poured out the oil on the world. He poured out the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, they were endued. He anointed their head with 
with oil. Hallelujah. And there was a power that came upon them and they were able to transform their world. They were able to transform the world. Why? Because it was the precious Holy Spirit that was living inside of them. How do I know that? Because Peter is talking about this experience. Because now, man, they're speaking in other languages. And people are saying they're crazy. And Peter stands up and there's 3,000 people. And he says, they're not drunk as you suppose because it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, I got to tell you, and I've said this before, I can't understand why he used that illustration because I've seen some people drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. But they were, he said, it's, not, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they're not drunk with wine. He said, but they are filled filled with the Holy Spirit. They're anointed. Their heads have been anointed with the Holy Spirit. And this is what is spoken about in the prophet Joel when he said in the last days, I will pour out my, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And even on my bond servants, both men and women, I will in those days pour out of my spirit and as a result of that they will be changed and they will live a prophetic life. You see when the Holy Spirit comes he makes you prophetic. When the Holy Spirit comes he makes you a priest unto God and he gives you the power to do what God has called you to do. And that's why David said you anoint my head with oil. When he said that he was saying you set me apart. You give me prophetic power. You give me an overflowing anointing, and the presence of the Holy Spirit is in my life. Now, I'm just looking right here, and look at that. There's a little spider. Right? There's a, look, look at a little spider right there. You got some sense of humor, Lord. I'm telling you. And my friend, we need our head anointed with oil from the Holy Spirit today. You see, the truth is we're powerless without it in our life. And this afternoon, God wants to anoint your head with oil again. He wants to fill you and set you apart and equip you. And he wants to heal you. James said, if there's anyone sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. There's no power in that oil. That's just oil. That's olive oil. And man, does that taste good with a little bread, you know, just dipping in. Wow. But symbolically, what it's saying is, is I, I receive healing from the person of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will do everything in our life. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything in our life. It's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Say it the Lord. And I want to tell you, without the Holy Spirit, you can't unconditionally love your wife or your husband. How many know that? that it takes unconditional love to remain faithful to one person forever. I mean, that, that takes unconditional love. Come on, let's be honest. You can't have peace on the inside in this world that's filled with turmoil. You can't have peace in your heart without the Holy Spirit. You can't have joy. Happiness is contingent on your circumstances. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can't have faithfulness. In fact, the word in the Greek for faithfulness there is actually faith. The core of our life is faith. And the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And you can't even have faith unless it comes to you by the gift of the Spirit, by the fruit of the Spirit. 
And how about self-control? How many of you can use a little bit of self-control in your life? Yeah, thank you for those hands. The rest of you, you need a counselor because you're in serious denial. You see, we can't, we can't do what God has called us to do, and we can't be what God has called us to be without the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so this afternoon, maybe you need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's a kingly anointing. It's a priestly anointing. It's a prophetic anointing. It's a healing anointing. It's a welcoming anointing. And it's an overflowing anointing. How many times should you get that anointing every day of your life? Because David said, and my cup, we're going to talk about it in a couple of weeks, and my cup runs over. You know what that means? It means that God wants to give you plenty and so much that it runs over so somebody else can have the blessing of your cup being full. Let me ask you a question. As the worship team comes, are you being a blessing to other people in your life? Are you really being a blessing to people in your life? How many of you would love to be a blessing to your neighbors, a blessing to your coworkers, a blessing to your family? But you can't be unless you're overflowing in your life. And God wants you to be blessed to overflowing, anointed to overflowing. There's a song that we used to sing when I was uh, younger. <laughs> and um, I've been singing a lot of old school songs lately because I had to go back and pull something out that would bless our hearts. There's just something about the, you know what I've learned? I'm going to tell you something about the old school songs. I'm going to tell you something, young person. Do you know why they're so anointed? Do you know why you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit when we sing the old-time songs? Because the old-time songs were birthed in revival. The old-time songs were birthed in holiness. The old-time songs were birthed in a surrendered heart. And they were not for performance. They were for ministry. Now, I want to tell you, I love to sing a new song. But when I need the anointing of God, like yesterday I was walking on the beach and I said, God, God, I need your anointing. God, as I preach tomorrow, I need you to come, Lord, and anoint me. And I just began to sing, anointing, fall on me. Anointing, fall on me. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing fall on me. Now listen, I could do it like Ron Canoli. Anointing fall on me. Anointing fall on me. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing fall. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when I'm so tired. There are times in my life where I'm so discouraged. There are times in my life I feel like my cup is empty. But I thank God that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, who loves me so much, that God, my Father, my Good Shepherd, loves me so much, that he says, just come. You're welcome to come into my house. And in my house, I'm going to anoint you with oil. And I'm going to heal your 
wounded heart. And I'm going to anoint you with oil and I'm going to refresh your weary soul. And I'm going to anoint your head with oil so that, I, so that I can protect you from those little pesky, whatever they are that gets into your head that's trying to steal your peace and your joy. You know, when we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Now, I'm Pentecostal, and I believe in the second work of the Spirit. I believe that when we come and we say, oh, God, I need to be baptized now. You know, the word baptism, the reason why we baptize people by immersion is because the word baptism means to be buried. It means to be clothed in. It means to be immersed into. And I believe that there is a clothing, there is an immersion of the presence of the Holy Spirit called a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, that's why we call ourselves Pentecostals, there were 120 people in the upper room and they were praying for an anointing. Were those people saved? Yes, because the Bible says after Jesus was resurrected, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Right after that, he said, but stay in the upper room until you're clothed with power on high. There is an anointing. There is an anointing, a setting apart for service, an anointing, a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's a new work that he wants to do in your life today. So we're going to sing that again. And as we begin to sing that song, maybe you say, you know what, I just... I want the Holy Spirit to do a fresh work in my life. I want you to stand to your feet when we begin to sing this song. Yes, Lord. Raise your hand and say, I want your anointing, Lord. Anointing fall on me. Anointing fall on me. Let the power of the Holy Ghost Fall on me, anointing for me. Come on, sing it with me. Come on, raise your hands and sing it to the Lord. Anointing, oh God. Anointing. Come on, raise your hands and sing it to the Lord. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing fall on me. You know, there's something about the altar. There's something about the place of consecration. The altar and the oil. The altar and the fire. The altar and the sacrifice. The altar and the presence of the Lord. You know, the Bible says that Elijah, he went up to Mount Carmel and he built an altar unto the Lord. And then he called down from heaven and the Bible says that the presence of the Lord came and fire consumed the offering. Guess what the offering is today? We are the offering. And what is the altar today? It's a place where we come and say, oh God. I want you to touch me again, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I consecrate myself to you. I belong to you, Lord. And I want you to fill me. I want you to touch me. I want you to use me. I want you to set me apart. I want you to heal my broken heart. I want you to pour your oil all over me. And so I'm going to ask the pastors and some of the leaders to come. And here's what we're going to do today. We're going to turn this service. You know, I know that a lot of times we used to be dismissed. But 
we're not going to be dismissed today. We're going to turn this service into an old school Pentecostal prayer meeting. You know, when we don't close the service, we just let the Holy Spirit do whatever he wants. And when he's done, then we go home. And so you're here today and say, man, I just, I want the Holy Spirit to come. In fact, I'm going to tell you leaders to go ahead and, and just step back that way because I want you to stand right over there. I don't, I don't want you to stand in front. I want you to step back there. I'm going to ask you folks right now, if you want God to do a work in your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out of your seat, and I want you to come to the altar. You know, when I was a kid, we used to come to the altar, and we used to tarry at the altar. We used to wait on God. And in the mo minutes and in the time that we used to wait on God, God used to speak to us. Maybe there were things in our life that needed to get dealt with in, my, in our lives. But we used to say, oh, God, fill us. Lord, touch us. Lord, we need you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, come and baptize us. Holy Spirit, do a work in our life. And as the Holy Spirit began to speak to us, freedom began to take hold of our heart. And we began to worship the Lord and praise the Lord and the presence of the Lord. You see, when worship goes up, the presence of God comes down. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you right now. If you're saying, I want the Holy Spirit to do a new work in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to take all of me and consume me and fill me and baptize me and use me. I want you to get out of your seat right now and find the place at this altar. And I don't want you to stand. If you can physically, I want you to come and kneel before the Lord. I want you to bow before the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I'm here. I want you to do a work in my life. Come on right now. Come on. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I want God to use me. I want God to use me in ministry. I want God to use me at work. I want God to do a work in my life. I want you to get out of your seat right now and come and find the place at the altar of God and just kneel before the Lord today. Say, God, fill me today, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Do a new work in my life. You know, we're Christians today. And if we love the Lord and we love the work of the Spirit, then we ought to all respond and say, yes, Lord. I need more. How many of you need more of the Holy Spirit? How many need a fresh new touch of the Spirit? I want you to get out of your seat right now. Just come today and just kneel before the Lord. And we're going to come and we're going to lay our hands on you today as the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And we're going we're to anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Holy Spirit's going to begin to do something. For some of you, He's going to begin to heal you. For others of you, He's going to begin to set you free. For others of you, you're going to get a joy in your heart. You're going to leave this place rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. For some of you, you're just going to give up. You're going to quit. You're going to say, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it in my own strength anymore. And I know it's not by might, it's not by power, but by His Spirit, saith the Lord. And so I'm surrendering to God. Some of us just need to get right with God today. You've been backslidden in a long time, but you're coming home today. And God's going to pour the oil all over you and say, you're welcome in my house. And He wants to touch you right now. Hallelujah. And as we begin to worship the Lord, everybody else in the congregation that's here today maybe you haven't come forward I'm going to encourage you to make your seat an altar today but I'm going to encourage all of us in this room to begin to pray right now come on let's just begin to pray